Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This is CMO Moves, the podcast that showcases the human side of game-changing leaders. Here's their incredible journeys, the moves that they've made, and most importantly, their personal stories of how they got to be the leaders of some of the world's most exciting brands. We hope you'll enjoy their stories and take away a few tips and inspiration for your day. Enjoy the show. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to CMO Moves. It's your host, Heidi Palermo, and I am back, friends. Um, Just coming back from maternity leave actually this week. So I'm going to need you to bear with me because I may be a bit rusty on the mic. But before we get started with today's show, I just wanted to give a huge thank you to the amazing guest hosts that we had over the summer and all the CMO guests. Toby Daniel, Stephanie Patrick from Adweek. We had Eric Toda, Kate Gunning, Jasmine Atherton. They all did such an amazing job hosting CMOs uh, from brands like Casper. We had Jeff Jenkins from Carter's, OkCupid, and not to mention the badass combo of David Tinson, CMO of EA, and Kaylin Thornton, who's the CMO of Gatorade. They did a duos episode and it is epic. Make sure you go back and listen to any that you missed this summer. And also shoot me a note on LinkedIn if you have any other ideas for great CMO duos that we should get after. So now for today's show, I could not ask for a better guest to be joining me for my return episode. I know we're going to have fun. None other than Mr. Kenny Mitchell, CMO of Snap. Hey, Kenny, welcome back to CMO Moves. I'm super excited to be here talking with you. Your first guest coming back from maternity. It's a, it's an honor. 
Absolutely. And welcome back to CMO Moves. Kenny joined with Nadine a little over a year ago. And that, if you haven't listened to that, highly recommend. We'll make sure to include a link to that episode. But Kenny, my how things have changed over the past year. So <laughs> I'm sure we'll have no shortage of things to cover today. So let's start with how, how have you been? You're in LA, right? I am in LA. I've been here for about two years now. I moved in the summer of 19. But it's funny, Heidi, because of the pandemic and whatnot, I still feel like I'm new. LA is so sprawling. <laughs> Haven't been out to kind of fully, you know, take in and, and see all of it. But it's, uh, I, I feel it's been a privilege to need to, to quarantine in such a, a beautiful place. And uh, glad that some things are starting to pick back up and really enjoying LA. Yeah. And you have a daughter, right? Correct. Correct. So I have a high school age daughter, Carter. She's a ninth grader. She turned 15 in about a month. Um, so yeah, we, we spent more time with, you know, my daughter and I've spent more time with my daughter and my wife than ever would have been possible. So yeah. super grateful for that. I think my, my daughter was glad to get back to school. She's in school in person now. <laughs> that was, was going to be my next question. <laughs> yeah. She's super psyched to be back in school and hanging out with her friends. She's on the tennis team and doing debate and a few different things. So She's glad to be uh, be out of the house and, and having some fun again. Nice. Quarantine aside, where would we find you and your family, your wife and Carter on a typical Friday night? What would be like an average night for you guys? It depends. So she's playing tennis right now. So she occasionally has matches on Friday evening. So we'll um, go and check one of those out. And then a lot of times we will unwind together. So we might order in and catch a movie or maybe go out to eat. So we're, you can find us around a table eating or checking out my, my daughter and her, her tennis team. Nice. That's awesome. So Kenny, you started in the, your role as CMO for Snap, what, you're two and a half years now, right? That's correct. So what has been the biggest change that you would say from when you started to now? Yeah, the pandemic is definitely, it transformed for so many of us, how we worked as teams, how we collaborated, how we led. I like to say that it's one of probably the bigger leadership challenges of our generation, working in new ways and figuring out how to lead and, and manage in that environment. And then at the same time, I was actually standing up a marketing practice in a new company, <laughs> at least a new company for me. Um, so it's been really exciting building out and architecting and crafting what our team's going to be, what are going to be our priorities, what's going to be our structure, what's going to be our strategy, what are the ways that our team will help to, you know, broadly contribute to, uh, to SNAP and SNAP's ambitions. And ultimately, we aligned on this notion of our team's going to be responsible for driving the affinity for our platform, for helping to support our business growth and doing that through like hopefully insightful storytelling in a way that's consistent with SNAP's DNA. And SNAP's DNA is about being creative, about being fun and also inspiring action. So that's been like our focal point. And, and we've like found ways to successfully navigate working virtually like so many others have and, and have found some ways to also connect socially, which I think is probably the most tricky thing right mm -hmm. now. Is, is is drawing those those personal and, and social connections. So it's been different. It's not something we anticipated, but the team, I think I'm, I'm really proud of some of the work that we've been doing so far and, and excited about the opportunities ahead. So Kenny, your role is unique in that you lead both the B2C and B2B business for Snap, which is an incredibly tall order, I'm sure. So tell me a little bit about how your team is set up. 
Yeah, absolutely. It's it's pretty uh, pretty unique, I think, in, in in some places to have the both the kind of consumer focused marketing as well as the business focused marketing. And the way that we've structured the team is that we have kind of, I'd say five core capabilities that sit within. So we we have a kind of brand and consumer focused team that is responsible for literally marketing the core Snapchat app to consumers the features and products and services that we have within. So things like our original content and games. We have a team that's dedicated to our marketing, our camera platform and AR, both to our community as well as to like developers and business partners. We have a team that is responsible for marketing our hardware. So the spectacles and, and other innovation that we have um, within the platform. So that's it broadly on our kind of my brand and consumer side. Then we have a business marketing team that is exactly as you would expect. So they're responsible for helping to tell our story to advertisers and agencies to help drive greater like understanding and consideration for the platform. We also have a consumer insights group. And in that group, I actually have a planner kind of unit that does the equivalent of what a, a strategic planner would do at an agency. And they're really close to our consumer and our consumer insights function. Uh, we have an operations team. That oh my goodness. This is, <laughs> this is cool. That's a lot, Kenny. And, uh, yeah, I know. We got two two other functions. Then I'll, then wow. I'll set up. But they, we have an operations team that is basically responsible for helping us sort through how we yeah, use our time, our people, and our money. So we have project manage- management in there. We have production. We have resource management. Um, and then finally, we have our creative team. So we have an in-house creative group that helps to, to, to launch and develop so much of the work um, that we put out into the world. Um, so that's where they tie in closely with the strategists, the planners that help to help to articulate a, a business or marketing brief into a creative brief to help help kick off the work. That is the landscape. And yes, that we have is it. the lay of the land that it makes sense, right? Like it's not, it's a lot, but I mean, I'm sure telling the message on the business side is a lot easier when you're that close to the consumer side. That, that's exactly right. And I think um, a great example of that and why I think it's so like magical is with our most recent campaign, Open Your Snapchat. So the idea behind Open Your Snapchat was really to open up, <laughs> literally, consumers as well as some of our partners' idea and vision of what Snapchat is as a platform with a real focus on AR and all of the fun and utility and creativity that's unlocked, literally, when you open up your Snapchat. So we actually initially launched it with a consumer focus, right? So we used like really, I'd say, custom and tailored messaging based on either a consumer insight or a specific geography. So for example, in Park Slope, New York, we were like making fun of the double entendre of Park and Slope and like, hey, you opened up your Snapchat after seeing a message and it unlocked an experience that actually was about being on the ski slopes. So just like making a little fun of that. I'm from Philadelphia. We did something where we were basically playing on the notion of founding fathers. Um, so if you were all about the Benjamins, you actually would see a lens that featured like some of the founder fathers and, and uh, Benjamin Franklin. And we launched that campaign at the end of July, launched it in four geographies around the world, the U.S., in the U.K., in uh, Mexico, and in India. And then we followed it up very recently with the launch of our B2B-focused mm-hmm 
expression of Open Your Snapchat. And with that um, portion of the campaign, we actually were really trying to dimensionalize the success that many businesses and brands have had around AR and the impact and reach and literally the growth that they've seen based on some of those programs. So in, in, in various places, we're going pretty, pretty big with Ad Week itself, but in various places, you would see the success that was had by a, 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 a brand like Nike or a brand mm-hmm. like Levi's when they actually leveraged and showcased their products for try-ons and to showcase some of their brand stories through augmented reality. And we've been pleased that we actually have been able to have an idea with broad enough shoulders Yeah, and it works from both the consumer side, but also works when we're talking to our, our brands and agency partners and, and that and they, they're consumers like anyone else. So you exactly. want to be able to bring that magic to them. And, and we've been pleased by doing that, being able to do that. And it's been unlocked based on the way our team is set up and structured that we include both the kind of consumer as well as the business side of the house. I I think that is a perfect example, Kenny, of like where we see B2B marketing, this term almost disappearing. Marketing is marketing. It's people. It's just maybe, you know, it's slightly a uh, different message, but the second you get away from that barrier, I think it unlocks a lot more, a lot easier opportunity. And by the way, awesome job with that campaign. It's super fun. And I, I love that you guys have this global reach, but also keeping it local is just so fun. And I don't, I don't think enough brands or companies leverage the power of that localized belonging that people have. They love repping their city. People love kind of feeling like a part of a community. So I think that's really cool. Yeah, yeah, we were really inspired by that. Just the the flexibility that the concept allows where mm-hmm. you can literally tailor it to the environment or to the context. You can localize it by city or you can localize it by setting. So that part's been really exciting. One of my favorite executions we did in the Waterloo Station mm-hmm. in London. So it's a big train station, people going in back and forth. And we talked about something big arriving at Waterloo that open your Snapchat to find out. And if anyone's been to Waterloo, it's, it's like a cavernous train station. And we, we used a um, AR experience where you could see a whale like flying oh, cool. through the air. And we put a little decal down on the floor that was like uh, the shadow of a whale to allude to this experience that you would see. So this notion of something arriving, which obviously happens at train stations and taking advantage of this massive environment to show this really cool experience. Like those type of things are really magical and had us really excited. That's awesome. And given your past brand experience coming into this role where you're really talking to brands, what would you say, especially related to AR, right? It's so top of mind. It's something some brands are dabbling in, some are not even there yet. What is something maybe you've learned or you've brought from your brand side experience to be able to help tell that story? I'd love to hear maybe some of the barriers that you see and why more brands aren't using things like AR. I'm a huge fan of AR. I, I unintentionally became an evangelist back in 2015, 2016, because Gatorade was one of the first brands during my time there to have a remarkable moment leveraging mm-hmm. AR. So we created in partnership with, with Snapchat at the time. We democratized 
the dunk, the Gatorade dunk, where the celebration that you see in sporting events all the time, where they take the cooler and they dump it over the head of the coach. Well, we democratized that via AR and had hundreds of millions of people on Super Bowl, Super Bowl Sunday, or Super Bowl 50, dumping this Gatorade over themselves via AR. So I've been evangelist, unbeknownst uh, to myself, around Snap and AR for a very long time. And I think one of the things that is probably a little well-known, but we're trying to get the word out more and more, is that AR actually delivers strong business results. We've seen that with anything from try-on. So we've mm-hmm. had brands that are like, hey, you have the ability to try on a glasses or a watch or shoes. I'm a big shoes fan, being able to try and buy directly from uh, that AR experience to telling fun brand stories because it's a it's an experience. It's an interaction. Right. Um, so, you know, someone is taking the time to experience with whatever story the brand is actually trying to tell through yep. AR. And it's personal because they're right there is a part of the capture in many yep. cases. Well, so, and I have to imagine that even, sorry to interrupt, I was going to just think, I'm just thinking the the rise, the popularity of AR was already on the up and up. And then you have COVID hits, nobody's going in person. I'm not going to a store to try on shoes. I'm not going to go try on glasses. Have you guys seen that kind of catapult in it's not, it's almost not even a nice to have fun thing anymore. It's almost, if you want to survive, you got to have those options for your consumers. You are absolutely right. I think it's a must have. If you think of when I started my career, people were just getting comfortable with a digital and open web strategy. And then everyone needed to have a social and then yep. mobile strategy. Yep. Um, I think the smart and progressive marketers are already right now working on their camera and AR strategy. Yep. Um, I know if I were, uh, you know, any of my peers that are working on big brands, that would be something that's like incredibly top of mind um, for me. And part of it is because there is like literally a a bit of a revolution happening below the surface. And Mm -hmm. and I say that because right now on just on Snapchat with our lens studio software, we have over 200,000 people that are making AR experiences. Mm -hmm. They have published over 2 million of those AR experiences onto Snapchat that is being used by our community and our community on a daily basis, over 200 million of them are experiencing AR every day. Mm. And those experiences made by our creators, um, our AR creators have been seen over 2 trillion times. Like the numbers are insane. There's something that's big. That's why I said there's a revolution going yeah, on yeah. below the surface. Like there's numbers something are... to this AR thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the numbers are insane. Businesses are actually seeing tremendous success. So it's a massive opportunity. That'd be something that I'd be focused on. But to your question, Heidi, about some of the, the challenges, what we do hear from folks, particularly folks that may have attempted with SNAP in the early years to, uh, to engage in AR is that it can be hard, <laughs> it can be complex, it could be expensive. Mm-hmm. Like, so there's some of those, those things that are, I'd, I'd say, legacy stories that still, uh, still exist in the marketplace. And there's been a tremendous amount of progress um, that we've made. And there are tons and tons of tools where whether it is our web lens web builder that we have online that you can actually go in the marketing team directly or their creative team and build a lens. Like you can literally do it. It's self-serve tool. You can build it yourself. 
through to our Lens Studio software, which I mentioned before, where um, so many creators are actually building the most magnificent lenses. They need no coding experience to literally we have a creator marketplace where a brand could say, hey, I, I want to get one of those amazing creators. And I want them to make something cool for me. And we're seeing that happen across the board. So it's an exciting time. It's something that's like a really uh, wonderful opportunity. And, you know, I I firmly believe that the camera and the AR is going to be the next computing platform. And it's awesome to be working in that environment. And it's really inspiring. And, and I got to imagine a lot of that creator kind of community, probably a lot of Gen Zers, both creating and using. Is there something you and your team have learned about Gen Z in, in just through the platform or through creating this content that would be insightful for marketers to know? One of the things that was the, almost the premise for, for, for the creation of Snapchat was just this idea that once mobile devices and the cameras connected to them became so so popular um, and so widely available that young people began communicating through pictures and videos. And that in anything from like meme culture <laughs> to, to snap. And that, that's why we have so many people that communicate so often because they're trying to express themselves incredibly creatively and connect with their friends. That's the opportunity that you have on snap. So knowing that the Gen Z are so incredibly visual and so incredibly creative has been like a, a massive like mm-hmm. unlock for, for me and our team in terms of how we approach trying to trying to tell our story. And within it, there's this, this element, particularly with Snapchatters, where they don't want things polished or perfect. The nature of the platform is that you feel so much more free to be yourself because the snaps delete by default and it's not being published to the broadest of the Snapchatter mm-hmm. community. It's, it's you communicating with your friends. So, so much of our our um, messaging and our our communication actually is inspired by that creativity and inspired by the notion that things don't need to be pretty and perfect. And that that to me has been a fun eye opener and something that we really embrace. That's awesome. Yeah, that's actually one of the top four trends. I think we we published an article of trends coming out of COVID and the the need to be perfect or spend hundreds and thousands of dollars on every piece of marketing you do is completely unnecessary. And the consumer has gotten so used to this rawness that I think that's something that'll continue for sure. Now, I want to ask you, Kenny, about some just general marketing advice. I, I re-listened to your podcast that you recorded about a year ago with Nadine. You had so many gems on that one, by the way. So again, this is your PSA. Go li- listen into the first one too, because Kenny drops a lot of good marketing advice for at any stage of your career. And one of the things that stood out to me is you mentioned some advice you were given early in your career by somebody you worked for. And it was about kicking ass at your current job and having a bit of patience and uh, creating what you call a pull strategy, right? And just really hunkering down, focus on doing the work to prove yourself. It got me thinking, what would be your advice to follow up on that for somebody who is sitting there going, I'm doing the work. I'm not getting recognized. What do I have to do in order to advocate for myself and, and my hard work? What would you say to that? It's not surprising because I do get this question mm-hmm. from time to time. Like, hey, I feel like I'm doing the work and how do I continue to grow and advance and develop? One of the things that I frequently recommend is thinking a bit about your career as like a a tool belt as a marketer. And what are the tools that I'm going to need to be successful? Um, Not just now, but two years from now, 
five years from now? What is my Allen wrench? What is my screwdriver? What is my hammer? And how do I connect and, and build out those tools? So when I step into this next thing, whether it is at my current company or at a future company, I have exposure, comfort, and confidence to go and, and work against those. So in the event that someone is feeling like they're running into a little bit of a, a wall as it pertains to like pure advancement, I would really focus on development. And what is the next skill in my tool belt that I want to get an opportunity to either improve upon or, or learn through, through some type of project or experience and raise your hand for those. And if there's not one that's visible, you may even want to create one. Say, hey, this is something that's important to me. I want to learn more about X. And here's a pathway where I think I can go about that. Because ultimately, like, it's like math. It's a building game. Like all of these skills that you get, they build on your tool belt. So then you become like this amazing multi-tool player. And in the event that you're not looking, getting the direct career progression in that moment, hey, what is there adjacent to the work that I'm doing where I can continue to learn and develop because I know I'm going to need it down the road. Mm -hmm. Um, Those, I found those have been accessible to me in the past. And those are things I try to foster and create for my team members um, when we're having similar conversations. That's a really good point. I think even just raising your hand to develop in other areas, right? And making it known that you're wanting yourself to develop, it makes a statement, I think, in your career development for others. And what are those tools? Let's talk about that tool belt, because we often also get asked, what are the most critical skills for marketers of the future? You know, what does the future CMO need? Because it's just changing so much. What would you say are some of those? Oh, that's a great one. I think there'll be some variability depending on like industry and or Mm -hmm. category, but I'll talk based on what I know best. I think marketing leaders are expected to be that hub of the wheel to to both lead their teams directly as well as influence those that are stakeholders near them. So this notion of like leadership and teamwork is one core and fundamental um, skill set. I'd say storytelling, both on paper <laughs> as well as as we're doing right now, is another important component. And hopefully, being able to translate those stories and that storytelling into like strategy that actually is is compelling and can move people um, to action. I think is a, is another another component related to the first notion is like just. Very few things get done without working in teams. So I'm a former team sport athlete myself and someone who can lead a team as well as be a um, contributing and positive team member is going to serve you um, incredibly well. There are certain aspects of the marketing function when it comes to things like building out business plans and strategies, thinking about innovation, thinking about media that are all in my mind centered on the consumer. So having deep consumer empathy and kind of enjoying that consumer empathy and that consumer journey is is like one of those tools that's been very consistent for me, regardless of where I've been. (laughs) It's like I start with the consumer and that helps to direct so much of the marketing activity, the strategy, how we might think about innovation, how we might think about storytelling. So much of it starts with like your target. In a lot of ways, that's consumer. On the B2B side, that that consumer in that case is the advertiser and agency community, but really being um, centered on your customer, on your, your consumer. I think the best marketers have a, they're curious and thirsty 
about the future. So they are always looking around the corner to understand what is next, where are um, the new innovations coming and what impact could they potentially have on their business. And, you know, I I think right now we're in, um, we're in a period where there's a ton of transformation happening. There are so many new things that are coming about, whether just a year ago, everyone was talking about audio and clubhouse Mm -hmm. and things like that. And then all of a sudden it's like, crypto and NFT. It just, there's just so many things that are coming out. So trying to go through and understand the difference between the noise and the signals and understand things are actually like relevant and meaningful for your business is tricky, but you have to be, I'd say like insatiably curious um, about the future, about innovation and the impact that it can have on your business and the impact that it's having on your, your customer and your consumer. Yep. Yeah, that's really good. I think curiosity always ranks to the top of that tool belt. And I I like the point you made about not just being having empathy for the consumer, but actually enjoying it. I think that's a big one, because if if it feels like it's just work to be in touch with what the consumer wants, it's never going to work. You got to really like to dig into culture and know, keep a pulse on what's going on. It's funny that you hone in on that because that's one thing I learned about myself through my career. So as you mentioned, when you're going through some of the, the, the experiences I've had, I helped to stand up a portion of the marketing practice at NASCAR. And I was not a, a motorsports efficient, but what I learned through a lot of my experiences actually at Gatorade was that I really loved understanding the consumer. And I had spent some time at Gatorade working on entering the Gatorade brand into action sports. So skateboarding, mm-hmm. BMX, snowboarding. Again, I grew up as a stick and ball sport athlete. So I didn't know much about those world, but I thoroughly enjoyed digging in and learning about the culture, the influences, the behaviors, the, the experiences, like the, the just the, I, I got so much joy and pleasure doing that, it, that it actually changed something for me as a marketer. I was like, oh, I, I thought when I got out of business school, my intent was to work in sports and marketing because I was a former athlete and I love marketing and I love right. creativity. But then I started to realize while along that journey, I actually really love like these interesting consumer segments. Like I I love like understanding like the motivations and psychologies of these unique tip of the spear consumers. That that took me on a completely different vein. That made me very comfortable going to NASCAR, knowing that I wasn't a NASCAR or motorsports aficionado, but damn, people really love the sport. So what's driving that? Like being able to try to unearth that and then hopefully using that to help inspire the storytelling that we did around NASCAR was really exciting and galvanizing to me. Yeah, I think that makes you actually a better marketer if you're able to go outside of what and try to understand the motivations behind it. And I think that's a good reminder for just marketers in general, because you often hear, oh, I can't get a job in sports. I've never worked in sports. Who cares? I feel like nowadays, like that's not what people are looking at on resumes. I feel like it's evolved and it's a lot more transferable skills. So industry doesn't matter. You're seeing a lot of moves from cross industry that you wouldn't expect. And I think that's awesome. Yeah, I fully agree. And it gave me the confidence in future moves to go to McDonald's and to go to and to arrive here at Snap um, because of those experiences and understanding. Right. I, I actually love marketing and I love the consumer and I love when there's like a bit of a cultural touch point. But that to me was a, a, a big aha as a part of my career. So are you a NASCAR fan now, Kenny? 
I am. I am. I got to tell you. Yes, you get it. That, that was a high-pitched I am, so I'm going to yeah. take it as a, okay, sort of. So, so I'll say this. NASCAR as a sport, it shows incredibly well. If you go to a race, it's it incredible. Is, it really it is. is. It's incredible. an experience like none other. The pageantry, the scale, oh, yeah. the sounds. But in the middle of the race, there's a lot, there's a lot of time. <laughs> <laughs> so I say I am because yes. you, you can, I can catch the beginning of a race and the end of a race and be yep. like, all right, I'm good. Yeah. I will follow, you know, the highlights. Bubba Wallace uh, recently won his uh, first NASCAR race yep. at, the, at the top top series with Michael Jordan as, uh, as, as one of the co-owners of his team. So I'm re- super excited about, about that. So yeah, so I'm, I am a fan. I Particularly, I think the chase is really interesting. So like, Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Playoff format, but the races are long, so I'm probably a fan more by highlights than I am. I'm um, gonna sit down and and check out check out the three or four hours. Hey, they gotta sell beer and popcorn somehow, so we need <laughs> we need all that time. And you know, we only have a few minutes left, and I want to ask you something that I'll give you a second to even think about it if you want. But as a CMO. I'm curious right now, what keeps you up at night? There are plenty of, I don't sleep as well as I'd like to in general. (laughs) (laughs) I was just thinking, I was just thinking a laundry list of things that keep me up at night. Yeah, but here's a few things that, that come to mind for me is we as a business and my team as an extension have a ton of opportunity in front of us. And how do we make sure that we have the right focus? Mm-hmm. is something that is constantly and consistently on my mind. We run the risk of seeing opportunity and there could be great opportunities, just like wonderful. Hey, maybe we focus here. Maybe we focus here because we see tremendous headroom for our business in different, right. different arenas, but we can't do it all. Right. So how do we prioritize and focus and get disciplined in a way where we, you know, we kind of load up the cannon and put our best efforts and our most meaningful resources against the three, four, five things that are going to have the greatest impact and not get distracted by the other opportunities or the other things that come about through the normal process of doing business. So that's one thing that definitely keeps me up at night. And, and it's something that I uh, constantly have to check myself on. Our, our team, we battle with it a ton. And uh, so, yes, yeah, so yeah. that's one area. Another is our business is scaling. We're growing right now and have been over the course of the last few years. So how do I, as a leader, ensure that we maintain our culture and our working rhythms in a scaling environment that is largely virtual? Oh my gosh, um, I feel this on so many levels. Everything yeah. you just said, I think a lot <laughs> of people can relate to that. It, it, it's so much so that I had a... Snap had its 10th anniversary party a few weeks ago. We wow. broke into like teens and celebrated our 10th anniversary. It's hilarious that the company is 10 years old. And so a bunch of us got together for like drinks to, to celebrate on my team here in, in LA. And half the team had not met each other in person because we've been scaling while working virtually. So how do we protect some of the important parts of SNAP's values of being kind and creative and smart and like this low ego, but hardworking um, culture and environment? How do we do that 
when you don't have all of the same social connections that we've had in the, the past. Yeah. And that's something that, that worries me tremendously. In particular, as we're not just scale, scaling in the U.S., we're scaling globally. As we're bringing new folks on that actually may be in you know, smaller teams or in smaller units in Australia or wherever it might be. How do we make sure that we're bringing along that culture and still being as productive as we can be given the virtual environment? Yeah, those are so true. And it's something I'm sure that's top of mind for everybody. But as a CMO, it's like you have to steward both of those things. So I'm sure that's even more pressure. Thank you for sharing that. And we are at the end of our time. And I'm so sad because I could, I have so many more questions that I could ask you, Kenny. Thank you so much for, for rejoining us on CMO Moves. And typically we end with the ultimate question, which you know, but we've already asked you what you would be if you weren't a CMO. And I don't know if that's changed, but I do remember you had said, well, no secret to anybody, it would be in sports and you wanted to be a coach of the Eagles or, or do something with the team. Has that changed? Is that still? It's funny that you ask because I had thought a little bit about this since we were going to be talking. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know if that's changed necessarily, but I was inspired, I'd say, over the last year by this program or platform that was created by um, Swiss Beats and Timbaland called Versus, where they would pit like music artists yep. or producers against each other. And it reminded me, I'm a, I'm a former DJ, like I DJed when I was in college. And I always dreamed of being like a music producer. Like I always dreamed of being able to make music that impacted society, impacted yeah. culture, but also being behind the scenes, not necessarily being the performer, but the person who actually like helped to put music together. So like Swiss Beats and Timberland, and there's so many others, but the, the two of them reminded me of that dream. And I was really inspired by them over, you know, the last uh, year or two. So that could be my second job. Yeah, I'm, there you go. I'm not running the Eagles. <laughs> and do you do any of that on the side? You make music when you have, you know, in all your spare time? Not anymore. So I had dreams years ago before I went to grad school. I actually had a little studio set up in my apartment in Philadelphia. So I was trying to make beats. I did a little bit of DJing, um, but I, I gave that up kind of sadly now in retrospect when I went to grad school. I, I was actually Aww. broke. So I had to sell some of my equipment to help <laughs> well, get me to school. Hey, you can get it pretty cheap now. Go on Facebook Marketplace or go go to your local music store, get something cheap. And I, I think you should DJ your next company party. I haven't DJed since uh, they used vinyl. There's all <laughs> kinds of other equipment now. They're still so. out there. <laughs> you can find one. Oh, fun. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much, Kenny. And I can't thank you enough for... Um, First of all, rejoining us again and making my uh, first week back so much fun. And I was really looking forward to talking to you and I'm glad we could connect. Thank you so much. This has been a lot of fun. And again, I'm honored to be your first uh, guest in your return and uh, wish you continued luck. Awesome. Thanks so much, Kenny. Talk Thank soon. You. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in today. And we hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, we'd love your help in sharing CMO Moves with one of your friends or colleagues. And please also be sure to subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen. Better yet, leave us a review while you're at it. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? 
Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit ViralGrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 